he's um, he is living proof that the American dream of success is still alive and well. Uh, he comes from a poor upbringing from one of the roughest areas of Chicago, and but that didn't stop Victor from earning a bachelor's in science degree in electrical engineering, an MBA, and then building a 20-year career as a top sales executive and becoming CEO of a multi-million dollar high-tech company. Um, the other things about Victor is um, he is an author of 12 books on sales and motivation. Victor has shared the stage with many uh, top business speakers. Um, he's internationally known. He goes all over the place. Um, he, he shared the stage with Rudy Giuliani, Zig Ziglar, Dr. Robert Schuller, and many, many others. Uh, he just got back, I believe he just got back from Asia. Um, he just delivers powerful messages all over, he, you know, all over different countries like Europe and Saudi Arabia, Australia. And I mean, I can go on for, you know, on and on and on, but I know Victor, he, you know, he doesn't like to brag about himself. Um, he's he just who he is, and when you start to hear his message and start to hear about his sales presentation, you're going to see why I chose him um, to, you know, to to be that accelerant. So you can go from not just selling yourself, um, but accelerating. Um, if you're not selling in life, whether it's personal or whether it's in your business, if you're not selling, you are stalling. So fuel. Launch, Accelerant, and then Victor Antonio. I've invited you today, Victor, to, um, to show us how to um, go from um, selling to going to not stalling, to just taking that sales presentation um, to the next level. So um, without further ado, Victor, would you please come online and introduce yourself? Wonderful. Thank you for having me, Ashley. Really appreciate this. Uh, where do I begin this? Because people listening to this are saying, get to the meat, get to the potatoes. I got it. Uh, so let me just start here. I'm going to pick a starting point, and the starting point is usually this. Uh, and actually, we talked about this earlier. Typically, you know, we're ready to build a business. We're ready to start the new year. So let me see. We got the branding right. We got the website right. Uh, we got the marketing materials right. We got the PowerPoint right. We got everything right. And then what happens typically is when we meet the people we want to sell to, we, we start to fall apart a little bit. Now, let me take a step back, if I may. And when I talk about selling, I mean that in the general sense. On a one-on-one -on -one basis, on a personal level, you're always selling. You're selling yourself. You know this already. I don't need to tell you this. But whether you're selling a product or a service, you're also selling maybe goals. If you're a manager, you're trying to sell the goals, right? You're trying to sell inspiration. You're trying to sell a vision. You're trying to sell the enthusiasm. At the end of the day, you're typically trying to sell yourself. So selling is everywhere. And it's interesting to me how that's where we least apply the amount of skills. In other words, we spend so much time on the brand, on the marketing, and everything else. When it comes to the one-on-one, -on -one, the conversations we have with people, that's where we fall apart. And I see this over and over again. It's the saddest thing to see that people spend so much money building a company, whether it's product or service, but when it gets to the actual one-on-one, -on -one, it falls apart. And I think that's where you make the money. That's where you close the deal. So whether you're a network marketing on one end, B2C in the middle, or B2B, large complex sales, doesn't matter. At the end of the day, if you don't know how to sell yourself or the message or the product or the service, you're not going to close the deal, which means you're not going to make some money. And at the end of the day, we have to pay bills. Am I right, Ashley? Oh, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my preamble of where we're at. So when I, when I, when the, the thing I want to tell salespeople all the time is you, you got to really work on the presentation and find the how, how to have that conversation with people to get them to actually buy into what you're trying to sell them because really that's what we're trying to do. Now, I always tell people I love being a sales guy because I believe just like Atlas holds up the world, 
salespeople hold up the economy because without something being sold, something being exchanged, the, the economy doesn't move. We are the engine that runs the economy. So as salespeople, we are the people that make things happen and everybody is always selling. Whether you're in customer service, you're the administrative assistant at the front desk, doesn't matter. Whether you're a frontline salesperson, we're always selling. So we just need to get better at how we do it. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's great, great information. Um, you know, a little bit about you. Um, how does a guy who grows up in the toughest parts of Chicago go on to, you know, getting into an electrical engineering degree and become a master of that selling process? The, uh, how, yeah, how do, you, how do you go from that yeah, into... There's a real funny story behind that. So, so uh, this, this, this falls under never do it for the money, okay? <laughs> the, so what happens is, you know, born in the inner city of, city of Chicago near the Cabrini Green housing project. So, you know, I always tell you, poor, 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 poor. Food stamps, government cheese, powdered milk, the whole bit. Uh, everybody has a violin story, so I won't share mine, okay? But I remember I, I said I wanted to go to school, get an education, get a degree because we were poor. We wanted to make money, and I found out engineers make money. Yeah. So I decided on electrical engineering because that's something I could relate to. And so I went and got my engineering degree. I was like, yeah, I got my engineering degree. And I remember when I graduated from college, I was making big bucks. I was making almost 29,000 a year. Man, I was banking big time. I was really happy with my $29,000 a year. Then something interesting happened. After the second or third year, I realized I didn't want to be an engineer. And I, so I had done it for all the wrong reasons. I did it for the money, but two, three years into the gig, I realized I don't like doing this. And that began the search for where do I belong. And so as I moved around companies and departments and uh, divisions, I realized that sales was where I wanted to be. And the realization of that was as an engineer, I would assist salespeople in designing networks. So I started on the telecommunication business as an engineer. I designed wireless systems, believe it or not. And so I remember I was traveling with a salesman by the name of Ken Cook. Now, Ken Cook was a salesman. I was his engineer supporting him, right? And we built this big system. I designed this huge system, and we sold the system. Based on my presentation of the technical specifications, we sold the system. And I remember Ken took me out to a real nice lunch. You know, Ashley, it was a, it was a $50 lunch. I was like, wow, I never had a $50 lunch. I was excited, right? And so I go back to the office. I'm all happy because I got $50 worth of lunch in me, and I'm really excited about this. And sure enough, I tell this one engineer, his name is Roy. I said, Roy, I just went back, came back to lunch with Ken, took me out to lunch. It was fantastic. And Roy said, really, I'm glad you're happy. And he had this sarcastic look on his face. And I was like, what's your problem? He said, Victor, did you ever stop to think about how much Ken is going to make on that sale? I go, no. He goes, well, he took you out to a $50 lunch. Congratulations. He's going to make, over the next year and a half, $50,000 on that deal. And at that point, my jaw dropped. I'm like, what? Wow. Are you kidding me? He says, yeah. How's lunch feel right now? I go, not so good. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the first thing. Like, maybe I'm in the wrong business. And about a year and a half later, uh, an opportunity opened up for me to go into sales. And the rest is history. You know, it's, I found my, my space in life. That's where I belong. You know, so that, when we talk about accelerance, you know, I hit the hyper pad of acceleration when I got into sales. Because that was my thing, you know. That was that was who I was, and I haven't looked back since. And so, about 11, 12 years ago, I left corporate America. Like many of you, probably you decided to go on your own, become an entrepreneur. And here's some insight for you. And I think you guys know this already if you've ever started your own business. Is when you work for a corporation, uh, everything's done for you. You just have to worry about selling. But when you become an entrepreneur, start your own business. Well, guess what? You're the salesperson. You're the accounting person. You're the marketing person. And at the end of the day, you're the janitor. And so you have to do all this stuff. And so what happened was 
I learned how to market myself and became a better salesperson. So the lesson there is that even if you work for a company, once you go on your own, you really have to learn how to sell yourself, your company, and sell at a different level. So that's how I got into sales. Sorry for being so lengthy. Oh, no, no. That, that kind of leads me into obviously my next question. Of course, I didn't share my questions with you before we started, but no. people are always saying, People are always saying, I'm not in sales. You know, why do I need to listen to a sales trainer? Um, I don't like sales. You know, what, obviously, what do you say to those people? Because, you know. I always say, every, are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah, I'm like, are you kidding me? You're, you're in sales whether you know it or not. Uh, for somebody, you know what it is, is that sales has such a negative connotation, right? We think, you know, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, you know. We think about all these, the car salesman, the high-pressure salesman, you know, that cheese guy. Today and only today, you can buy this car for night, you know, whatever it may be. And we think that's selling. That's not what sales really is. Sales is really about helping businesses grow, if you think about it. Because if you have a product or service, and you share that product or service, and you know that it can help the other company make money, then you're really helping them. So to me, selling is always about sharing a great idea. For example... How many of you have ever gone to a great restaurant? Man, it was a fantastic restaurant. Oh my God, it was one of those restaurants where everything from the beginning to the end all the way to dessert, that was the best meal you've ever had. In fact, price was incredible. You can't even believe it. So what do you do? Then you go home and you talk to your friends. And you're like, oh my God, Ashley, I went to this restaurant last night. Oh my God, the steak was superb. You know, the, the wine was excellent. The service was fantastic. Ashley, what do you think I'm doing on the phone when I'm telling you this? It's all about, well, it's all about word of mouth. You know, but I'm it's selling. About, yeah, I'm it's selling. selling. What am I selling you? I'm selling you the enthusiasm, the idea that you should go to that restaurant as well. So when people say they're not selling, I'm like, shut up. You're always selling. So, what, for example, when you were a kid and you were saying, Mommy, can I have a kick, some candy, some cookie? What were you doing? You were selling. When you got a teenager, you wanted to use the car. Mom, if I wash the dogs, can I use the car for the weekend? Guess what? You were selling. So I always tell people, well, you've been selling from day one. You just don't know it. But I think people have this negative connotation of what selling is. And selling truly is a great profession. Nice. Nice. I like, I like that. I've always liked how um, you can relate selling to all those different things in your life, you know, but how you explain with like the kids and mothers and husbands and wives and dating. That's, I love, I love that comparison. I, yeah. it, it actually, it, when I, when I hear that comparison, it actually, um, I went back to my business and actually looked at it differently, you know, mm -hmm. so it was, it was just amazing to me. Um, you know, before we got on the call, I, you know, I really liked what, that what you, your conversations have been, and you know I've been listening to all your all your wonderful product. By the way, if you do not know, uh, all of the speakers that I have on Life Launch, I'm offering. You know, when somebody signs up, I'm sending back emails, offering free gifts and links to free products. Well, you know, I, I really couldn't do that with Victor and Tony, and let me tell you why. Uh, and we were talking about it because I'd been asking him, hey, you got a free product link? You got a free product link? What's your free product? And then I thought about it, and then, of course, he confirmed it. All his stuff is free. Yes. All my and, stuff uh, is free. Yeah. 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 And, and bottom line, all of it's free. Good yeah. to, you know. <laughs> By the way, no email required. So I don't even want your email. Uh, and people freak out when I tell them that. You're like, really? No email? Uh, does that mean it's not good? I say, oh, it's fantastic. Go judge for yourself. So I have about uh, 14 books on there now, I think. Uh, I also have about, I think, 14 different video series, uh, over 175 videos that you could watch for free and enjoy. So after the phone yeah. call, go check it out. VictorAntonio.com will get you there.
Yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing. I don't normally throw that in there, but I was just thinking about that because because uh, somebody were, somebody did ask me. Well, what about that free offer? But you know, when I was checking those videos out, and um, you know, it was really exciting to me. One of the things that I like, you've been talking lately about how it's time to get out of sales presentations and get mm -hmm. into sales conversations. Right. And you know, you just talked talk to us about you know that we're all in sales. What does right. that mean on a personal level and on a business level? But what does that mean? Can you explain that a little bit more for the audience about what that means about sales presentation and sales conversation? Yeah. You ever you ever you ever been in a conversation with somebody, Ashley, and that conversation is so flowing. Do you know what I mean? An hour goes by, two hours goes by, and it's just a great conversation. And if somebody were to shine a light and look down on that conversation, what they find is that you would probably do it most of the talking. That's why you thought it was a great conversation. And I think that's where we need to get to with customers. Too often what we do is we're not even listening anymore. We're just waiting to speak. Big difference, right? We're just waiting our turn to speak. And then as soon as the customer gives us a break in terms of letting us speak, we start doing the presentation. And here's what we do. We'll talk about our products. Here's our company. Here's who I am. We've been around for 20 years. We have so many products. Here's some testimonials. Here are all the product logos, all the different companies who are using us, blah, 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 blah. And that's all the customer hears. Everybody is doing that, which is why people shut down. Think about it. When people start talking about their product service, what do you do? You shut down. So we need to get away from the presentation and almost figure out what is it that they need. In other words, when you're talking to somebody, and I always talk about personas, when I'm talking to people, I always identify the type of person I'm talking to. I'll give you an example. If I'm talking to a VP of marketing, then I know that I have to have a certain angle of approach. I know that different things concern that VP of marketing then would, for example, the CEO of the company. For example, the marketing guy is concerned about increasing market share. The CEO is worried about increasing revenue and market share. I'm talking to the production guy. Well, he's worried about reducing costs, his operational costs. So now I know that I have three different personas. So now I engage. Forget the presentation. I'll give you the basic information. But now I'm going to talk to you about what are your worries. It works in network marketing or B2C, for example. Think about it. People are worried about three things. It's either physical, financial, or psychological. How can I help you financially, right? Well, this person needs to be helped financially. But maybe it's personal development, right? How do I grow my business? So once I know who I'm talking to, then I engage in that conversation. All that, if I were to wrap it up, is get away from your presentation and figure out what it is they want. And what I always do in my sales training programs is that I always have people, for example, I would ask you, Ashley, Ashley, Give me three types of people you sell to. Okay, let's start there. And then you would identify one, two, three. Each of those I would design a conversation. Remember the, the, the story about sympathy versus empathy? Too often we're stuck in sympathy and not empathy. And I'll give you the visual so you'll never forget. You're standing on the deck of a boat, right? Minding your own business, watching the view. All of a sudden this guy comes over, stumbling across, stumbling by, goes over by the banister and throws up. And you step back and you go, damn. That must hurt. That's sympathy. Now, if you went over there and threw up with them, that's <laughs> empathy, right? And so what we need to do today is be more empathetic with our customers. We got to feel their pain. We got to throw up over the banister with them. Instead of just doing the sympathetic presentation, we need to be more empathetic and take more time to do that. That's where the conversation comes in because that's when it's meaningful and you feel like you're not being uh, – because once you feel like you're being pitched, once you're caught selling, that's it. The person shuts down. Nobody wants to be sold. And so by having a conversation and not being so anxious to close the conversation, close the deal, 
then I think you develop a dialogue and a relationship that I think is long-lasting. That's really interesting. I really appreciate that information. A lot of the stuff that I've been reading and uh, a lot of the sales presentations and stuff uh, are talking about a different era that we're in. And you and I had this conversation as well that it is getting away from the whole um, advertising. Hey, we're the best. Hey, I'm awesome. Come see me. And you know, and yeah. my product is you know is the one and the number one. And I'm the guru. You know, oh. and it's it's more now about those relationships and about yeah. listening, actually listening to what I. What, what, what I think customers are wanting, uh, different studies show different things, but here's the interesting part. They're, yeah, you're right. They're the, they're the people who like to use qualifiers versus quantifiers. Qualifiers are like, oh, we have the best product. Well, how, how good is it? Man, it's really good. It's also fast. Well, how fast is it? Man, it's really fast, Victor. Well, man, how inexpensive is it? It's so inexpensive, you won't believe it. And they never really answer any questions. And what customers want today is the quantification. Is Tell me how this is going to help me make money. Tell me how you're going to help me increase my revenue. Show me how this is going to reduce my costs. Show me how this is going to help me get more market share. And if I can't show you that, the customers shut down. And as soon as they hear those, I'm the best, you're the greatest, we have 24-hour support, we love our customers, we want to hug them all the time, we care about you. Everybody says that, right? Everybody says that. And so what's changed in today's market? The relationship is now post sale. This is what's really changed. This is interesting. We often think that it's about the relationship. You always hear about, yeah, it's, it's having a relationship. Well, that's old school, let's say 10 to 15 years ago, and here's why. When we want to have a relationship with a customer back then, the customer wanted to trust us, right? I'll buy from you because I trust you, right? Because at the end of the day, I can look at three different competitors, compare each of them, and there's barely any difference. So at the end of the day, it's the relationship that closes the deal. I would have agreed with you five, 10 years ago. What's happened today, post-recession, even though we're still in a recession, what's happened is customers now have to qualify and then quantify why they should buy your stuff. So for example, let me drive this one home. If I'm selling a $50,000 software package, back in the day, if I really trusted you, I'd probably go with the $50,000, get it signed off, and hey, let's implement it, and Ashley, I trust you, let's go for it. Well now, Ashley, what's happened post-recession is that now five people have to approve it now. And now I have to explain to my manager why Ashley's product is the best. And if I can't explain that, quantify why it's the best, then I'm going to have a hard time selling this product. So now, you buy my product, everything goes well, you start using it, now a relationship is established. Because, Victor, you helped me save money. You've helped me increase my revenue, reduce my cost. Your software has helped me expand my market share. So relationships now follow results is the key to what selling is today. And so again, think about it. Even if you're talking one-on-one -on, -one on a B2C level, how are you helping the other person physically, financially? How are you helping them? And if you can't quantify that, you're always going to have a hard time closing the deal. Does that help? I like, yeah, I really it's, like that, yeah. It's a head spinner, but that's how the market has changed. No longer is it about who you know. It's about what you know about their business that will determine whether they'll buy from you. And even if you're talking to an individual, again, five people sound the same when they do the same presentation, but that one person that can give it that spin, that hits you, more empathetic, I get it, that's the one that's gonna close the deal. So a phrase you've been hearing lately, if you haven't heard already, is the word insight. What people want is insight. They want you to give them something they don't know. May I give you one more example to really drive this point home? Is that okay, Ashley? Yes, yes, One yes. more example. Okay, so you go to the car lot, just to show you how things have changed, to really drive this home. Back in the day, 
10 years ago, 15 years ago, pre-internet, you go buy a car. Car breaks down, what do you do? Oh my God, I need a new car. Oh my God, oh my God, I need a new car. So then you ask a couple of friends and then you decide on what model you want and then you go to the car dealership and you spend two, three hours with the salesperson, right? And you're like, okay, I think I'll finally buy this one. Two, three hours later, you buy the deal. Now car salesmen have, been, have learned that if they keep you on the lot for two, three hours, you're gonna buy, right? Fast forward, post-internet, you have all the data in the world. Now your car breaks down. What do you do? Oh my God, oh my God, I need a new car. Let me get on the internet. Let me see what Consumer Reports says. Let me see what some of the reviews are. Let me see what some of the opinions are. Let me look up the blue book value. Let me look up the invoice value. Now when you walk onto the lot, you're not looking for a relationship. You're looking for a transaction because you know what you want. And you don't want the salesperson telling you what you already know because you already know. And that's what's changed in the market. And the only way that salesperson can regain the advantage is that if they know more than you. Now that's key, Ashley. If the customer knows more than you, then you're not adding value. You're just repeating what's on the internet. And many people today are like walking brochures. They're telling people things they already know. And so we as salespeople have to give them something they don't know. And that is insight. I like it. I like it. I like it. Listen, I have a question. You know, I was looking at some of the other people that were asking questions. There was a good one that really struck my interest mm -hmm. because Positive Life Network is about you know about helping others. Now, I you know I have a lot of products to sell, so sure. you know products and services. Some people have services. Some people have products, and vice mm -hmm. versa. But what if the product is to help others? How can you attract people in order to help them? Bottom line. What, what, what are you selling to help others? Is um, it personal service? What are you selling? Yeah, m most likely, you know, similar to yourself. I mean, um, but the product is to help others. It's a lot. Um, I guess, I guess, the service is the product. Um, it, no, if, if it's service, yeah. yeah, it's how do you help others, right? Right, right, right. Is that, is that what you're asking me? So how? Do you, I mean, look, every salesperson wants to help. I mean, if you really think about it, if you strip it down, you strip away the commission, you strip away the quota. Every salesperson, the true salesperson, again, is selling you a product or service to help you grow your business. If it's selling to a B2P, B, business to person, right? Right. I'm trying to sell you a product to help you in your personal life. And typically in your personal life, you need help from a personal development standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's financial, right? Or it's something that you do physically, right? So I'll give you an example. Let's run, walk through this and then you tell me if I'm on track. When I'm talking to a person, let's forget B2B now, let's talk B2C, B2, business to a person, I'm selling a service. The person across the table, in this case you, Ashley, I can help you one of three ways. I can help you from a personal development standpoint, help you achieve your goals, right? I can help you make more money from a financial standpoint. Or maybe you need to be more physically fit, right? So one of those three is where I can help you. Am I on track? Yes, yes, yes. that's yes. really helping you, right? Mm -hmm. So then let's say that the product or service I have aims at one of those three. Which one does it aim at? Pick one. Is it the financial? Is it the physical? Is it the psychological, personal development? Which of those three? Physical, financial, personal development. What does your product help with? with? 
all the above. Um, what, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, pretty much all the above. Um, what if? Okay, let me th let me throw you uh, throw you a curve. What yep. if? What if it's um? What if it's awareness and a better way of life? And I think this is coming from somebody who has a nonprofit. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna change sure. the angle a little bit. Sure. But 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 I think the information will um will you know be an umbrella for all. So what if you're trying to sell awareness or a better way of life? And it's so so you're kind of pushing you know yeah you have products and yeah you have services but you know you know we're, we're trying to change lives you know a lot of people are trying to change lives with their businesses so how do you attract those um, those people that need that help you know the, with, the, with that conversation when you're dealing with nonprofit it's it's an interesting animal but it's no different if you really think about it a nonprofit at 501c basically is a company that says I'm not for profit I'm here to help kind of the general angle right but if you think about it it's not really about awareness I know everybody says, well, Victor, we need awareness. No, you don't. What you need is awareness tied with a sense of urgency. So, for example, uh, if somebody has a nonprofit to help, let's say, uh, runaway children, right, and they're trying to raise funds, right, they're going to have to target people who would be interested in helping that group of people. So, in other words, if I had a nonprofit, the first thing I'd ask myself is, who cares about this cause? Who cares about the cause? Because if I, if I talk to, for example, if I'm trying to help runaway children, I'm not going to go try to get a car sponsorship or a car company to actually do something because they may or may not care. I'm generalizing, but just for example, what I would do is find people who really care about these things. And so the question would be back to the person asking the question, who cares about this angle? Who cares about this cause? And remember we talked about knowing who you're selling to, the buying personas? Remember the CEO of marketing, the CEO of marketing operations? The question she should ask herself, or he should be, who cares about this? Who really cares about this cause? And then that I would then begin dividing my sales presentation conversation around those people. Does that help? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah, because we I, often don't define who needs it. I know it's a great cause. Everybody says, like for example, breast cancer, right? Great cause. Everybody's behind it, but who really cares? See, I would target women's organizations, for example because they're more sympathetic or empathetic of the cause, right? I would also target women's organization that have women over 50, 55, right? Because they may care. Now again, I'm going off the top of my head here, but here's how I would begin to think about it. Who would care? What market demographics? What psychographics? Who would care about this cause? And then I would sell to them. But I would so, identify yeah. the causes. Mm -hmm. So basically, you're just aligning yourself, um, you know, benevolent, benevolent marketing. You're just aligning with other companies and other people, mm -hmm. you know, that have the same interest as you do, or yeah. that have the same customers that you do. They, you might not have the same product. Yeah, it's really selling is no different. If I find somebody who needs my product, and if I'm a nonprofit, I have a cause, and I, I, I'm really passionate about this cause. And it's too often I see people do this. Look, Victor, I have a cause. I'm really passionate about it, but nobody listens to me right and they blame the market no it's not the market's fault is that you haven't identified who you should sell to because not everybody's your customer it's just like when you go to a networking mark a networking event right we start handing out our business cards like crazy what a stupid idea that is here's why I know who I want I'm a target marketer I go after specific people so for example I do sales training see I've defined who will buy my product the people most likely to buy my product are people who work for a 50 to 20 million dollar company and up, right? These are people who have at least five to ten minimum salespeople in their organization, right? 
and then I would look at the actual product. They typically sell more products as opposed to services. So now, if I'm going to a networking event, who am I looking for? People who have that demographic. Because the first questions I'll ask is, do you have your own company or do you work for a company? He says, I work for a company. Second question, how big is your company? And therefore, I know that, that if the guy says, well, I work for a $20 million company, do you have any salespeople? We have 10 salespeople. Bam, I found my target. Now, if the person says, I'm an entrepreneur, I just got started, uh, immediately my brain says what? No, you're not my target market. You're less likely to pay me what I'm going to ask you for. And that's key, Ashley. You've got to find people who are willing to pay you what you think you're worth or what your product's worth. And if they're not, then you just separate them from the herd. That's okay. We, we can't sell to everybody. I think that's a mistake people make in selling. Identify your personas. Who will buy your product? And your close rate will shoot up. You want acceleration? That's it right there. Qualify who you sell to first before you even begin selling to anybody. And by the way, the benefit of that is that your marketing becomes easier because now everything on your website is around those personas. Now you're not trying to market to everybody. You know who you want. But the mindset sometimes, Ashley, is, well, Victor, if I, if I limit myself only to this, I won't get this. I might miss this opportunity. And that's when you start thinking about scarcity. I think of abundance. Define the niche, and the niche is always deep, and that's where you make your money in selling. Yes, I had I had somebody, um, you know, since we were talking about nonprofits, somebody had mentioned um, their comment was awareness and urgency may create the immediate gift for a nonprofit, but knowing mm -hmm. your donors will definitely guarantee continued revenue. And that person Absolutely. happens to know, you know, ha happens to know a lot about, you know, the people that are are, are donating. So, um, you know, that's a very important. You know, very important. So I, I appreciate um, mm -hmm. Deb for. I, I agree 100% with that. But the reason they feel good about this and they'll keep donating mm -hmm. is because you found somebody who believes in the cause. They sense the urgency. They give you the gift, the spot, whatever it is, right? The donation. They feel good about themselves because they're helping a cause that they believe in. You see what I mean? It's like this dual entity symbiosis thing, it's reciprocating. And that's what you're looking for. So I agree a hundred percent that those are the people that will continue to give so I agree yeah one of my um, one of my favorite two concepts mm -hmm. that I um, that I was so privileged I was in real estate for a long time and um, so uh, in sales but really these two concepts came to me with uh, positive life network and you know really started into my personal life was two things and that was starting with why and starting mm -hmm. with telling my story so I, I've seen that in the in the feed and the, you know some of the, some of the questions mm -hmm. and some of the comments um, but that really is about that sales conversation it's about you know starting with why and figuring out the why of the donors you can't figure that out unless you get intimate and, and have that conversation and also mm -hmm. about you know uh, you know with that conversation with that story you know telling the story you told your story to begin with but when you share that story you actually are having them pay attention to you and vice versa so um, so I you know I really like that so um, my my, my best, if I, if I can give you my best real estate no. example, my best real estate example, we bought our house. We had a guy, uh, his name was Tom McCain. He's really good in this sense because he understood. He was a great salesperson because he just didn't talk a lot. He just listened to everything we needed. And it got to the point where he understood who we were. And I still remember to this day, we walked into a house, he looked at it, and he said, let's go. This is not for you. We were like, we were like stunned. He goes, I know what you're looking for. And it wasn't until we found the house, 
he goes, okay, these are the ones you want. This is what you're looking for based on what you've told me. And he understood. You know, he just understood some of the, I call the economic drivers that were going to actually make the decision for us. And he got it. And that's all it is. And he, was, he only talked about that. He wasn't trying to sell us. He only wanted to show us what we thought we needed. And I thought that was the coolest thing. And he would add his little insights. You know, like sometimes you as a real estate person or ex-real estate person, you know that sometimes as buyers, we don't appreciate certain upgrades in a house, right? So I remember he would tap the counter and says, that's a $20,000 upgrade. Boom. That's a, you know, and he would mention these things that we weren't aware of. And I was like, really? I didn't know that. And isn't that what today's buyers want? You have to give them stuff that they go, I didn't know that. Really? That's what they're looking for. That's the insight. People don't want more information, Ashley. They want more insight. That really? I didn't know that. That's what they're looking for. Because if you just give them information, I could get that on the internet. Give me something I don't know. Tell me something that will shift my paradigm, that will make me look at things differently. And then I'll listen to you. That's the key to selling today. Yes. Um, referring back to real estate, one of the things that, I, that I, I'm going to use an example, I know you like to frame things with examples and analogies. Well, one of the things that I really loved with this was um, when you were wanting to list a house and you have so many houses on the market, you, mm -hmm. you, want, to be the you want to be the shiny penny. That's what right. they call it. When I, would right. when I sit with somebody, they would say, you know, how, to, how can my, my house stand out? And I would tell them that you have to be the shiny penny. And what that meant was a couple of things. You know, you have to really attract that you know track that person has to look good and that's it's funny that you're saying that because you know we started off with talking about you know everybody brings their nice pretty pretty presentation and that's mm -hmm. all good and you know yes you do have to stand out you do have to be professional you do have to have a good product it's got to look good you know you do sure. have to stand Absolutely. out from it's so diluted the market is diluted with products and people and services um, but you're right though you know when you when you talk about getting it you know, yeah. if, the, if, if I feel like a company or a restaurant or just a, you know, just a waitress that I hop gets me, Mm -hmm. then, then I come back. You yeah. know, I come back, I feel welcome, I feel safe, I feel, you know, I feel a sense of loyalty. Right. And, and you know, and I like that. It's like little things, right? Oh, it's, it's, it's really it's, little, it's, it's it little really but it's is. big. Right, that's a perfect way of saying it, excellently phrased. Because I yeah. think in the world of commoditization, because that's what we are, Everything's commoditized. You can buy it somewhere else. The question is, how do you differentiate yourself in those small ways that people go, wow, they know something I don't, or they treat me in a certain way that I've never been treated anywhere else. It's finding those moments of influence, I call them, that where you can actually nudge people your way. So right. I like that. I like that. Yeah. I also, you know, referring only because we talked about the nonprofit, there are, there's so many places that I'd love to, you know, to place my dollar. And, mm -hmm. um, but I, but I, I guess I want to know that the that they're healthy that I mean that the sure. nonprofit's healthy. I also want to know that that dollar goes to something you know that's going to really benefit somebody. You know, and you don't know that if unless you do have you know th mm -hmm. that um, what we've talked about unless they've had that conversation. Like you said, it's right. even something simple. If they just get me, if they you know it could be just a thank you or a, you know mm -hmm. or you know a little something that they do online just to say hey you know they really do understand their public. Right. In their donors. You know, I think they, you know, look, everybody gets it. By this I mean, if you're a nonprofit, everybody gets it that, you know, they want you to make sure that you're going to use the money wisely, you're not going to misspend it, that you are a legitimate company, blah, 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 blah. Everybody expects that, right? If you're selling a network marketing product, everybody knows, okay, it's going to help me do this, it's going to help me do that, it's going to help me do this, increase that, lower that, expand this. I get that. And then if you're selling big systems, it's like, hey, I need it to save me this, help me with this, expand that. The question is, 
within the fact that everybody knows that who you're selling to. See, I always assume that the other person already knows the basics. They get it. it they, they understand it. The question is, what do I say that makes them think differently? What do I, what do, I do? And I'll give you a perfect example. This will really bring it down to a simplest sense. So they put a jam display for jellies, right? And they had 24 flavors one day. And then the next day, they only had six flavors, right? So day one, they put 24 different types of jellies on display. And then they measured how many people would actually buy the jelly. The next day, they only put six. And then they figured out how many people would buy and calculate those. Which do you think sold more? The 24 jelly display or the six jelly display? I'd have to go with the six. And you would be absolutely right because <laughs> what happens is uh, the 24 jelly so 24 jelly display sold about three percent of the people who approached it. The six jelly display, thirty percent. What a difference, right? A 10x yeah. difference there. So what happens is that now think of all those jellies as a lot of information, and when people see a lot of information, they're overloaded. What do they say? Uh, I don't want to make a decision. You know, I'd rather not make a decision and stick with the status quo than risk making a decision and be wrong because there's too many options, too much information. But then if I narrow it down to six, I'm more likely to make a decision. I would argue that if you narrow that down to three, they would have sold more, right? So what is our task? Our customer is hearing a lot of noise, Ashley. This is it. Everybody wants to sell them their product. They want to sell them the 24 jellies. And they go, I don't know which jelly to choose. So our job as salespeople, as people who are sharing information, is to help them what? Funnel them down to what they really need. Go down to the six jellies, then go down to the three, help them down to the two so they get to the one. That's what people want. If you just give them more data, more information, that's just going to 24 jelly them, and they're not going to make a decision. That's what you're going to find. Okay, I have uh, I have a specific one specific. There was somebody who had asked a question. Um, this gentleman is a service oriented company. It's an mm -hmm. event planning, and um, you know, and you know, it's very saturated. Um, very good product. Very good presentation. Very good follow up. And, you know, just all good all the way around. Sure. Um, so, um, what what about something like that? What what kind of tips? What kind of um, you know? So selling mm -hmm. is important. How can how can somebody like that get better at it when they've already perfected you know most of it? How do they sure. really really perfect. get in there. Perfect example. Uh, it's a commodity. Everybody does it. They don't stand out, right? And they're having a hard time selling it. And in a market where people are saying, let's save money, uh, I don't want to hire an event planner. This guy's got it like, you know, the whole everything just collapsing on him, right? So the question is, how do you become different? Believe it or not, there is a way. Because what I would do with somebody like this, that's it. I would say, look, you're an event planner. I get that. I said, let me ask you a question right now. What market niche do you focus in on? And nine times out of ten, they'll choke on that question. Well, Victor, I serve everybody. Mistake number one. You can't sell to everybody. Now, let's say that I told this guy, I said, what if you focused on network uh, event planning for, let's say, technology companies? Let's go there because I'm familiar with that, right? And then I would focus on technology companies. So now I know that I serve technology companies. All my marketing says, I'm an event planner that serves technology companies. Now, I would then look at technology companies and say, okay, where do they fall in? You got software companies, you got IT companies, you got telecommunication companies, you got wireless companies, you got cable TV companies. These guys spend a lot of money, millions on event plans every day, right? Now, what if I just focused on them? What if I cater just to technology companies because they seem to have special needs? For example, technology companies, one of the biggest things they need to bring in is good speakers, right? They need to have good production. 
But it's, again, get back to good technical speakers. What if this event planner decided to go after that market and help people actually put the actual event together? See, because again, if I was an event planner, I have to think about what does my customer want? The guy that's planning the event, the guy that's doing the event, the company that's actually planning the event, what are they worried about, Ashley? Well, one, I want everything to be done right because I don't want to look bad. Typically, it's um, if I were to ask this event planner, I would then ask him, who do you sell to within that technology company? Two people, VP of marketing or it's usually the HR person. Those are the two points of contact within the company. Are you with me so far, Ashley? So yeah, I'm narrowing I got you. In, yeah, I'm narrowing in. I've picked a technology company. Within the technology company, I know it's the vice president of marketing or HR that typically will do the event planning. So now I know who I'm selling to. Those are the two companies. So then I would ask myself, well, what does the VP of marketing, for example, worry about? Well, they need to look good. They need to bring in good speakers. Uh, the last time they brought an event, they had lousy speakers. They didn't have good technical speakers. Uh, we need to do it in two and a half days. We need to have it within this budget, and I need to know what my options are. Now imagine if you're an event planner that caters to that market, and I say, look, for, as an example, I said, Mr. Customer, I can help you. Here's what we did for Cisco. Cisco, the networking company. Here's what we did for Citrix. And all of a sudden, I start bringing that. Here's who we brought in. Here's some of the technical speakers we typically bring in for that market. All this to say is that unless you know who you're selling to, again, a lot of people say, I'm in the event planning business. I hear that so often, but when I ask them, who do you cater to, they go, well, anybody that has a budget. You just shot yourself in the foot. You're not selling anything. But now, last point, if I know who I'm selling to, actually, if I know who the persona is, the VP of marketing or HR in the technology market, everything in my website, everything in my marketing, Everything about my company is about catering to that business, and I don't worry about everybody else. That's how I market. And so people always ask me, does that really work? I tell people all I do is sales training. I get called to do customer. Victor, can you speak on customer service? I could, but I won't because that's not my thing. Can you speak on leadership, Victor? I could, but I won't. Can you speak on management? I could, but I won't. Why? Because all I do is sales. That's who I am. And, but guess what? That's worked for me when I focused in on that market niche. So I think it's focused and identifying who you're talking to that's going to win the sale at the end of the day. Awesome. That's a great stuff. So sorry, for the, sorry for the long response. Sorry. No, no, it's great stuff. And I'm sitting here, you know, I, uh, because I'm on the call, I can't take notes, but I'm I'm mentally uh, talking and taking notes, uh, you know, because you know, Life Lunch 2014. It is my first um, event for 2014, but you know, really, I'm I've taken you know my business to the next level, the whole Positive Life Network to the next level. So mm -hmm. you know, a lot of this information that I'm getting from Rhonda and you and the you know the other speakers. It's really for me. It's all about just, me. <laughs> yeah, this is just a video party for me, and I just wanted to invite my friends because you know we're all going to learn and launch our lives. We might as well do it together and have fun with Absolutely. it, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It is possible. Yeah. It is possible. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but no, I, I like that. Um, and, and I always say that a lot of times I do use it. I'm guilty of that because, you know, uh, Positive Life Network, I want to change the world. I want to change people's lives. I want to touch people's lives. And I want that to be mm, everybody. So, right. uh, but, you know, and, but I did learn, I, I, I did learn, you know, last year um, mm -hmm. to target that a little bit more yep. in, in different ways. And I have done that and perfected that. And um, so yeah. I'm, ha I'm happy about that. So um, I, we're getting, you know, we're getting towards the end, but I wanted to do, um, I had one more question. Okay. 
Okay. So I'm gonna. Um, I wanted you. So selling. Obviously, we know selling is important. We wouldn't have big, wonderful sales trainers. You know, international sales trainers like yourself. Um, you, we've talked about tonight that selling. You know, is in personal, is in businesses, and moms and dads, and you know, right. boyfriends and girlfriends. You know, I get that. Okay, so selling is important, right? But um, you know, how do how do we get better at it? You know, you gave us some, you know, really good concepts and really good tips and stuff. And you know, we all know that, yeah, we, you know, I can get better at, you know, different areas in my life. But what are some quick tips that people can employ in their everyday conversations, not their presentations, in order to get better results? So let's let's end that off with just some quick tips. Just, okay. um, you know, I, I would recommend the the one thing. Let's not, let me not even give you a lot of things. Let me just give you one thing, and I'm okay. going to refer you to a resource. I want you to think for a moment that you've identified who you're selling to. Okay, In your mind, you've got it. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to list out three to five reasons, three to five reasons they don't buy. No money, no time, no need, no urgency, whatever it may be. List out the five reasons people don't buy. And then what I want you to do is in your presentation, in your dialogue, I want you to raise those objections and block them. Now, I have a book called Response Block Selling which basically says, don't wait for people to raise the objection, block them. And if I know what the three to five objections are when I'm having a conversation with a customer and I raise and block those objections, then what will happen is I will increase my close rate. If you wait for the customers to raise the objection, you're less likely to change their mind. But what if you took the preemptive step of saying, let me list out the three to five objections I usually get. Now, I'm going to look at my presentation, and in there, I'm going to know where I'm going to block each of those. I know what I'm going to say, what I'm going to show them, and in my book, Response Block Selling, again, download it for free. In there, I actually walk you through how to do that. I have like uh, 30 examples of typical objections you get, and what you're going to say, how are you going to raise the objection, how are you going to block the objection, and I'm telling you right now, of all the programs I've had, if I had to recommend one, and only one, that would be the one. That one right there has made me so much money, it isn't funny. Because once you understand what they're going to object to and you block them, you'll see their sales resistance just drop and you'll get more yeses than no's. That's the only thing I want you to remember for tonight. Response block selling. It's not about overcoming objections. That's old school. It's about blocking objections. That's new school. How's that? One thing. I oh, I like I like it. That wasn't five things. <laughs> just one thing. It was just one thing. Oh, so it was so um, so powerful. I liked it. I was yeah. sitting there. I was sitting there wondering a few things. I was sitting there wondering. I, I you know, with your wife um, on a personal level. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go t totally personal now and then yeah. in the call. Absolutely. Absolutely. But um, so with your wife, if you have if you want something, if you need something, and you need to go in there and you know, and you know that you're gonna you know step mm -hmm. against a little wall, and you know it might not be what she's thinking, uh, mm -hmm. but you really want so you know want to overcome something. So do you go in there and write down those three to five objections and, and then come in there and block her? <laughs> well, no, no. She does it to me now. She does it to me. Oh, She's awesome. Uh, so because uh, we've been married now 26 years. So you've been married 26 years. Uh, been together 28. And so she's gotten to the point where she's mastered the art of raising an objection. For example, let's say I, I typically travel a lot, so I don't want to go on a trip. And she'll say something like this. She goes, she goes sweetie, I know you're tired, and I know the last thing on your mind is wanting to go on another trip. She just <laughs> raised the objection. But if I could show you a trip that would really mentally help you, would you at least be open to it? I go, what are you talking about? 
well, let me show you this. And then she blocks my objection. She does this all the time. It's almost like, you know, it's, it's a programming. I want you to read the book because, by the way, there's an audio book also. And there's a videotape on YouTube that actually walk people through this. I'm telling you, it is that powerful. So does it work? Absolutely. Uh, just try it. Let me know. It is like I said, I if I only recommend one thing, that's the one. But again, if I can summarize, know who you're selling to, pick your market. Within that market, identify the personas, the people you're selling to. Once you identify the people like the, I don't know, the VP of marketing or HR person, find out what's their pain, throw up with them, right? What, what's bothering them? And then what are the three to five reasons they don't want to buy from you? And then if you figure those out and you can block those, the chances of selling have just gone up. This works in profit or nonprofit. doesn't matter. That's it. Awesome. Uh -huh. Awesome. Well, you know what? Thank you so much, Victor and Tony. And obviously, you know, obviously, we do get a lot of the material, a lot of the things that we teach from our, you know, our friends and families in our past. You probably got most of that blocking from your wife because, you know, that's a long time to be married. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you very much. Um, but, you know, obviously, you got some good material out of there. And um, um, thank you for sharing that material. Um, um, and I'm definitely, I'm actually going to go download that book myself. Download. I think I'm going to download it. Night. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a quick read, and if if I may recommend, go on YouTube and search for the video series. Okay. Uh, it's right. kind of it's kind of hidden on YouTube, but if you type in response block selling, you'll find it. Okay. So response block um, selling and your website. Tell us again, Victor, what your website is. Uh, if you go to the company name is SellingerGroup.com, but if you just go to VictorAntonio.com, let's make it easy. You will be redirected to the site, and just click on the free sales training and all that stuff. It you can just again download the material books videos, uh, even my documentaries on there. Most people have never watched my documentary. So by the way, 24 Hours in the Life of the Speaker. It's, it's a movie called The Motivator. Uh, it's been nominated for several film festivals. It actually won one international film festival award. So oh, if you want to see it. Uh, that, that's good. That's, it's cool. You get to see my family in there, by the way. You get to meet my family in there. It was filmed um, five years ago, but you get to meet the family in there. So that's pretty cool. Awesome, awesome. Well, you know what, Victor, thank you so much. Thanks for joining me tonight, and thanks for sharing all that wonderful information. Please, please, everybody, I, I insist that you go um, check him out. I will be sending out an email.